Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dads on the Fly podcast. I'm Caleb Simmons. And I'm Joshua Simmons. We are two brothers who love fly fishing, our families, and our men of faith. But like most of you listening, we're still not experts on any of those subjects. So our hope is to speak with as many people that we believe are experts on these subjects and pose the questions that most of us are asking. So thanks for joining us along the journey as we seek to inspire and encourage dads and anglers as we wade through fishing, fatherhood, and faith on the fly. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Dads of the Fly podcast. I am Caleb Simmons with my brother, Joshua Simmons. How's it going, Joshua? Doing great, man. We have a exciting episode for everyone today. And uh, the main, well, not the main reason, but a cool reason that we have uh, this guest that we've gotten to know is an exciting event that we want to uh, mention tonight in our little intro before we bring on our guest. So our guest tonight is Mr. Ben Meadows from Dorsal Outdoors. And if you haven't checked out Dorsal Outdoors, he has a vibrant YouTube channel where they make some really good quality videos, but they're also very entertaining, man. They tell really good stories. And uh, I love the story of how they started this, him and his buddies trying to do really DIY trips on a budget, and uh, and since then he's just done some some really incredible videos, and his videos are featured. Two of his videos are featured in this year's F three T fly fishing film tour. That is only how many days away? Well, you can catch it in a lot of places. So make sure if you're not following it on uh, Instagram, check it out uh, the fly fishing film tour. But if you're local here to Western North Carolina, we would love to have you come join us on May the nineteenth. Uh, that's just, is that 12 days away? Well, tomorrow's the 8th, so it will be... uh, Sorry, wow, I can't do math. It's only 11 days Um, away, man. Yeah, 11 days away, man. That's nuts. And um, so, yeah, if you're in Western North Carolina, come join us at Oscar Blues Brewing in Brevard. We are going to be hanging out, and Josh and I are actually getting the amazing opportunity to emcee the event. And this event is going to be next level we're really excited about it um we're gonna have first of all you're gonna be able to just hang out at oscar blues um they've got amazing food and also some awesome beverages there that you can check out and then uh there's gonna be lots of folks there just from the fly fishing community so there's gonna be booths set up uh come meet some fly tires there's gonna be some fly shops there um joshua tell them what else is going on so on top of the films being awesome the raffle items that are coming together for this event you're going to want to come get some raffle tickets. We've got so much cool stuff that some of our local fly shops in Brevard area have donated. Um, just found out just tonight that we also have a handmade uh, rod case. Wow. Uh, we've got a sage reel. Uh, I'm pretty sure Ben says we, I think we're going to have a turtle box to give away. Oh, wow. Um, Dude, on top of, of turtle box, I forgot to tell you. Yeah, I had an amazing weekend uh, with your turtle I was box camping and fishing with some friends, and the turtle box set out by the fire the entire week in the rain, in the mud, in the nastiness, and it blasted amazing music. Did you weekend. rinse it off? Yeah, just clean it off. Dumped it in the creek and rinsed it off and dried it off. Did it was uh, to go. did it go on one battery the whole time? Oh yeah, it still got like two. Bar's crazy, left. right? Three days, four days. Sorry, days. I got us off topic. No, no, so, it's, it's a great the turtle box for turtle box. Why we're talking cool. about? Yeah. And uh, would you say that uh, how many how many did you sell this weekend? Uh, maybe. <laughs> 
Maybe at least one, possibly two. So especially uh, the, especially this morning when we were leaving, I just went over there and ducked it in the creek and pulled it out. Yeah, and ready to rock, kept right? Kept blasting some music. So. Love it. All right, guys. So uh, this is lots of great raffle items. Lots, so many great raffle items. Yeah. Um, man, just I, I'm. I don't know. Are like MCs allowed to put in? Are we allowed to try to win the raffle since we're like the host? Probably like, not. But that would have been. I mean, are sweet. We, maybe some we should sweet stuff coming. I got some friends coming. I mean, there's a lot of Yeti stuff. I oh, think, dude, uh, some Costas, sunglasses. Yeah, we got yeah, coasters. We got hats. Stuff. We got. I think a rod. I think we got a rod. Yeah. Um, we're gonna break them down next week on the episode. Uh, on next week's intro, we're gonna go through every item. Raffle item. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, that's something Love we're gonna it. do right before the show, and we're gonna be prom- promoting them on Instagram throughout the coming weeks Sounds uh, a certain item so you're going to want to check that out caleb so come join us oscar blues brewing uh friday may the 19th completely free event yeah but all the months so, so come hang there out. you go from the price that you would have used Bought for a ticket, ticket for you can give raffle to ticket. raffles to raise money for grab, Pisgah, a, grab, a, grab a beer and something to eat hang out and again uh lots of great vendors i mean pisgah's trout unlimited is going to be there there's lots of great um excuse me not vendors but just people in the Oh, community people are going to be hanging out and uh so we're excited to hang out with us and our guest tonight is going to be there himself yeah so, so ben? he's going to be at the event yeah um signing autographs no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he'll probably like that uh throw that in there uh ben's a super cool guy you're going to find out all about him on this episode uh he is tied into the alabama fishing community but he's also done just some uh man his videos make me laugh but he also have had some videos that make you just really think and, and get emotional, too. And it's a wide range of videos. Great job of what he does. And I don't want to really say too much more before we uh, dive into the episode. Yeah, so make sure uh, if you enjoy this episode to go check Ben out. Um, you can find him on YouTube, just Dorsal Outdoors. Go to their YouTube channel. Um, they're also online, I think, at dorsaloutdoors.com. we got a big week, man, and just things keep rolling. I'm excited about what's to come with Dad's on the Fly. And we want to thank Ben for uh, being a part of this episode. And uh, guys, just remember, if you enjoy this episode, please uh, check us out, leave us a rating or review, and uh, shoot us a message. Let us know what you thought of Ben. All right, so let's hear a quick word from some of our sponsors, and then we will dive into our conversation with Mr. Ben Meadows. Dads on the Fly is brought to you by Catch Cam Nets. Catch Cam Nets, where you can build your own net. It's your net, so you choose every feature. Check them out online at catchcamnets.com. Dads on the Fly is also brought to you by Trout Routes. Joshua, when we are looking for new places to go catch trout, I can think of no better resource to use than the Trout Routes app. It has been an awesome thing to help us find more trout to catch. Yeah, man, whether exploring new water or just being a new angler at all, Trout Routes now includes all of the lower 48 states on their amazing app that can be found anywhere you get your apps. So make sure and download Trout Routes today for all your fly fishing adventures. All right, man. So welcome, Ben. How are you doing tonight, man? I'm good, guys. How are y'all? Ben, we're so grateful that you took some time to hang out with us. Uh, we have been following along with a lot of your videos and stuff for a while, and we're excited just to dive into a little bit more of your story. You're a dad. <laughs> you, you make incredible fly fishing films, and uh, we thought it'd be a great conversation to have you on our show to learn a little bit more about you. Thank y'all. I, I appreciate it. Those are kind words. I'm I'm faking it until i'll make it i guess there you go <laughs> if i if, if i ever make it <laughs> so uh ben obviously most of if not all of your videos that i've really paid attention to are fly fishing videos you live in birmingham alabama uh so when did you get an introduction into fly fishing i know a lot of people we have had from kind of the southeast you know they they do some kind of fishing early on but usually there's a time when a fly rod gets put in their hand what's that story look like for you 
Yeah, and I'll try my best tonight not to southernize every story and you know do some long wind up and make us you know a short story long. But this is a good one. So when I was in middle school, uh, we were on a retreat with with my church, and um, it was like you know uh, moms, dads, kids, all that kind of stuff. And and the kids decided we wanted to camp out um, on the lake where where the retreat was happening, and it was apparently stocked full of bass, brim catfish all that and i've always been psychotic about fishing like legitimately i think one of my dad's worst memories is when we went and fished uh my with my grandfather's family up in western tennessee uh we woke i woke him up at like 3 30 or 4 as an elementary schooler like hey dad we're going fishing and my dad was like and my dad doesn't fish and he was just like can we not do this right now so I've, I've always been obsessed with it and so i was like oh i'm on the stock pond i'm gonna wake up at five and get after it. And and back then as a kid, I was my own alarm clock. I could get up and do it. So I get up fresh spin rod. I was already, you know, graduated from the Zepco, had my own tackle box, all that fun stuff. And just started pounding the bank and just couldn't really do anything. I wasn't catching brim. I wasn't catching bass. And then, so about four hours later, this teenager stumbles out of his tent with this spaghetti loop-de-doop rod and just starts weed whacking the fish. I mean, I'm telling you, a bass, a brim on every single cast. And 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 like yeah, as a spin fisherman, I was just like, what is he doing with that yellow line? And again, I, I was born in Mississippi, grew up in Alabama. I'd never seen fly fishing before. I had no idea. No, no movies, no nothing. I had no context. And I was like, dude, you were catching so many fish. Like, how is this possible? And he's like, well, this is fly fishing. Like, this is this is what we do, man. And I was like, well, I want to learn that. Um, and so as fate would have it, a guy in our church, um, he was in his twenties at the time and my dad was mentoring him and, uh, he heard that I wanted to get into fly fishing. And so he, uh, loaned me a, uh, an Orvis Superfine. I didn't know what that meant at the time, but now I know it was a pretty good rod. And I would catch in the front yard every day. That was, that was what I did. I'd get home off the school bus and I would cast and I would cast and I would cast. And then if I could beg and plead my parents to take me fishing maybe once a month or whatever, then I would break that thing out and and, and catch some fish. And I just fell in love with it. I just, I, I couldn't put it down. Um, you know, I think at one point, so it was in ninth grade, we were living in this apartment building that was uh, on a lake. And uh, and I would just go and pound the shore with that fly rod. I mean, I mean. I was so psychotic that like it was 40 degrees in Alabama, which, you know, for you North Carolinians, that's what, 20 degrees. We'll do the Alabama conversion ratio on that. Uh, it was really cold. And uh, I, I had like tied flies, like really tiny, like, you know, basically dry flies for brim because they were the only things that were feeding um, in the cold weather. And so that just kind of tells you I was I was hooked on it early. And um, and then in late high school and college, I had the audacity to get my buddies into it and drag them kicking and screaming into it. And once they realized it was catch and release hunting, that's when we kind of got everybody hooked on it. And so now <laughs> me and my buddies, we all, we all fly fish. And, and it's kind of funny, like, you know, we don't pick up spin rods that much anymore. And yeah. it's not, not out of like spite. It's just like, we kind of prefer the fly fishing thing. So that's my wind up on how I got into fly fishing. Um, and again, it's, I, I, I love that story because it's, it's of no, uh volition of my own right it was getting jealous of some teenager whacking fish and then the gift of a young man in my church who 
you know, gave me, and then the, the cool, sorry, the, the cool cherry on top was that, uh, the guy like a year later found me at church. It was my birthday. He goes, Hey dude, I heard it was your birthday. And I was like, yeah, like, I think I was 14 at the time, 13. He was like, ah, he's like, that, that fly rod you got pretty nice. I was like, yeah, I cast with it every day. Like, I love it. Uh, I was like, but when you need it back, that's fine. I'll go get me a Walmart rod. And he goes, nah, why don't you just keep it? And so oh, I still cool. have that rod, uh, oh, with wow. me now. Um, now, a sugar sweet story would have that rod, you know, framed, but I was a kid. I broke that thing like every five <laughs> years and thank goodness for that Orvis return yeah, policy. Exactly. I just would get a fresh, fresh rod every time I jammed in a rock or a ceiling fan. <laughs> That's good. I love that by the way, catch and release hunting. I feel like uh, I have a lot of friends I might could talk into fly fishing a little bit more if I use that. So that's really good. Well, uh, Ben, you, you live there. You said you were living in Mississippi, Alabama. Most people don't think fly fishing when they think those areas, I feel like. So I'd love. Oh, what we, do you mean? It's, it's the fly fishing capital of the world. What are you talking about? <laughs> we've, we've had, uh, we've had like our friends from the storied outdoors on and they've shared a little yeah. bit about fly fishing in Alabama, but I'd love to get your perspective about that. Well, let me say this. So I am, uh, what do they call it? Oh, trashy. Uh, when it comes to fly fishing, I love catching carp. I nice. love going to the beach Nothing and catching ladyfish and bluefish. If it, if I can see my backing, I love it. Um, but one of the things that I've learned to become very proud and happy with here in Alabama, and and again, I, I take no credit for it at all, is uh, kind of the 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 red eye bass fly fishing movement uh, that's happened over the past couple of years. You know, uh, there's a there's a whole host of people in the community, but you know, Matt Lewis kind of wrote the book on it, and uh, we got to do a film about him. Um, and, and Mary Beth Meeks uh, and kind of their pursuit of a grand slam of catching all four species of red-eye bass in the state. And man, that opened my eyes uh, to just how good we have it in Alabama. Um, like, you know, I was being tongue-in-cheek when I was like, oh, we're the you know, epicenter of fly fishing. But we could be if, if people would, you know, take it seriously. Because, you know, up north we have tremendous smallmouth water uh, we have really good striped bass populations kind of in all of our reservoirs, but then above the fall line, we have these four species of red eye bass that are found nowhere else in the world. Mm. And, um, as someone who kind of, I guess what, six years ago got into, you know, brook trout fishing in East Tennessee, um, this is like brook trout fishing with a popper. And it's pretty dang cool. Like it, it really is like when I first filmed Matt doing this, I was like, Oh man, this is going to be bad for my wallet. Cause I'm all in on this. Like I'm going to get a, another fiberglass rod. I'm going to, you know, it's basically the, the, the streams that y'all call home in North Carolina. It's very similar to that where in red eye bass fishing, you're trying to get to these small pocket waters, but instead of throwing a caddis, um, you know, stimulator, any, any kind of, you know, dry pattern, you're throwing a balsa with popper and watching one of the meanest fish on earth come out <laughs> and try to make a day with its maker, uh, on those poppers. And so, I mean, man, that's just, and that's just the upper half of the state, you know, get on down to the mobile basin. You've got redfish, you've got tarpon, uh, you've got pompano. They're picking up permit and snook these days, which I think is pretty intriguing. Um, and, yeah, it's just, we are, uh, and watch me butcher my geography here, we're longitudinally blessed or latitudinally blessed. I don't know which one, <laughs> but because our state runs north to south, like we just got, we've got really cool stuff going on, like where we we just have a wealth of stuff. And, and sadly enough, until 
I don't know, five years ago, I was just a largemouth bass guy. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I still think one of the highest joys in fly fishing is throwing a deer hair popper and watching a bass just absolutely annihilate it. Um, but the fact that I get to do kind of the small mountain stream stuff um, with a popper now, I, I mean, man, that's just, it's, it makes you fall in love with the state even more. So, um, so yeah, what do we got going on in Alabama? Everything. I love <laughs> pretty it. Pretty cool. Yeah. It's, it's really neat. Cool. Yeah. I think, uh, I think our friends over sort outdoors were telling us like it's the most, uh, diverse species like of any state when it comes to fish yep. i mean it's pretty incredible yeah. when you think about it so aquatic uh diversity is number one in alabama so mm -hmm. that's that's you know your mollusk your fish your invertebrates uh my favorite stat is one of the the chief kind of natural rivers here is the cahaba river and the cahaba river has more total species in it than the entire aquatic life of the entire state of california that's, that's incredible. like that's what we got going on that's and pretty it's cool. just it's very, very cool. That's cool. Um, I'm going to have to get down there and check out some uh, red-eye bass action because I love brook trout, and I've fallen in love with catching smallmouth here in the last year, and so I think that sounds like a match made in heaven. So I'm going to have to definitely get down there and check that out. Yeah, it, it's the merger of those two, so you, you definitely should. <laughs> so I heard you mention a couple times these friends that you've gotten into fly fishing. Mm -hmm. And uh, for anyone who's not checked out your videos, I've, I've watched a pretty good bit of them, and it – it seems there's usually a core group that you're doing these videos with for most of them. I know you've done some videos with some other people and featured some other people like you were talking about, Matt and Mary Beth, but um, what is it about that group? And this may tell the dorsal story in that in talking about those guys, but where did passionate fly angler want to just cast a fly rod every day in your yard turn into, hey, I got to get these guys to do it with me and, and speak to the specialness of that relationship? uh it's all by accident i mean again but that's the beautiful thing about life right it's the the best things are unscripted so um when i was 18 i was playing college football at ole miss um it was been a lifelong dream of mine and i was blessed enough to live it um now i was a walk-on um and so i wasn't traveling and so <laughs> speaking to your speaking I, wa language, I walked on at clemson so yeah feel you awesome there. man yeah. awesome man. <laughs> powers to the walk-ons i love it <laughs> hey, uh, dude, amen. Uh, you never get the food, you never get the accolades, but you do twice as much the work hey, yeah. the credit. So we could have a sidebar conversation. Yeah, we that. could spend another day on that. <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got a lot of fun stories because I was I'm, I'm height challenged. So you, you're like, Same. there's no way you play college football. I was Same. a kicker, um, but I played under Ed Ogeron, who was oh, like, cool. oh all of our kickers should also be hitting targets. So <laughs> like, I earned it. Like, <laughs> I'm very much like as a kicker, I. I, uh, I saw some things, um, <laughs> but anyway, so I didn't travel to, to, you know, a, a big SEC opponent for Ole Miss, Alabama, but all my buddies from high school went to Alabama. And so, uh, one night I was hanging out with some buddies very late as you do in college. And, uh, and my buddy, George, who you've seen in most of the dorsal stuff, um, was like, man, you know, we have done this largemouth bass and brim and ladyfish and bluefish thing like for my 21st birthday we went and camped on a beach and caught ladyfish and bluefish on spin poppers like that was my idea of a fun time and still still is to be quite honest um but he was like you know why can't we take that to like the next level of of fun and uh me being kind of you know very i don't know disciplined or type a i called him the next morning and i was like hey i'm in on that 
I mean, he was like, oh gosh, what did I say? And I was like, well, you said you wanted to travel the world and, and fish. I, I'm in. I'll find a, a flight that we can stomach as college students. Um, I will, you know, we'll work landscaping jobs to make it happen. I know how to, I, I think I know how to crack this. And so when we were 18, we found this $200 flight to Belize. Oh, wow. And went down there, split a, uh, a motel four ways, as you do slept on the floor and all that fun stuff and basically put all of our money into the guides and, uh, and came away with just a wonderful experience. And some way, somehow we've parlayed that into a 16 year revolving tradition of traveling and fishing. And we've gotten to see Cuba and we've gotten to see Colombia, and we've gotten to see Panama. Uh, we've gotten to see a lot of stuff and, and it's, it's so cool uh, because Every year we sit down, like now most of us have uh, wives and kids and, and you got to do these things on pretty narrow budgets. You know, it's not, we've never gotten to do a lodge experience. That sounds awesome. I don't hate on it. I just can't <laughs> afford it. Um, and we've just, and we've just done it. Um, and so originally, like when we went to Belize, I twisted George's arm and was like, Hey, we fly fish in Belize. We're not spin fishing. Now, to be fair, we ended up doing some barracuda fishing, which was very, very cool. It was like bass popper fishing with a, with a spin rod. So we did do that. But I was like, it's all, to your point, catch and release hunting. Uh, you need to learn how to use a fly rod. And so I remember one of the a funny little story is we went to my church's parking lot because we were high school kids. No, sorry, college kids. And like, so you're all working like crap jobs. And so the only place I could think of that would be lit up at 10 p.m. was the church parking lot. Now, yep. again, I was thinking like <laughs> high schooler. I mean, again, not a college student. I was thinking like a high schooler. Like, oh, lights at church. Let's go there. So we go there and we're waving these batons around, right? <laughs> fly rods. And I kid you not, it was like something out of cops. Four cops come fishtailing in. <laughs> like, like, what are you boys doing? And then we just, I was just like, uh, uh, and like, you have the nine foot rod. And I was like, hey, hands in the air, like, with this thing. Like, what do you Like, what, what are y'all doing? And we were like, we're fly fishing. And you could imagine, like, the cops were like, I thought y'all were drinking. I thought this was going to be fun. And I was like, I'm sorry, sir. I'm a member of this church. Like, <laughs> I'm not trespassing, but I know this now. And it's like, again, as only a young man would, right? You're like, oh, yeah, this looks really stupid. Like, <laughs> this was, this demanded uh, awesome. a cop intervention. Um, but anyways, I, that's how I got George into fly fishing. <laughs> it stuck with him after a couple years. And then we kind of just stuck on buddies. Like, one of my, another favorite story is one of the guys who's in the group is Kai. Um I don't know if he likes fishing. I'll, I'll let him comment later. Uh, he is the luckiest guy you've ever seen. I've seen him catch a 60-pound rooster fish, a 200-pound uh, uh, striped marlin. Um, uh, I've seen him catch a 170-pound tarpon. The dude's got it. But I, he basically was like, oh, you're going to travel the world, and we get to hang out? Let's, let's go. And like, <laughs> wow. Okay, I'll go. <laughs> yeah, no, like, like legitimately, when you say ride around. or die, yeah. that's Kai. Like, he legitimately is like, and like, I can tell these stories all day long. We, <laughs> my wife's going to shoot me for all of these, but like, we've <laughs> seen some things along the way. Like we were in a drive-by shooting in Colombia. We've gotten marooned on an Island in the Bahamas. Um, we <laughs> nearly got capsized in the Belizean Gulf. Like when you're doing low margin trips, the, the thing that's compensating for that cheapness is the risk you're taking. <laughs> on. That's a little risk um, reward type deal. 
<laughs> yeah, well, I don't know where the rewards are. Um, <laughs> well, the fi- maybe the fish, rest. but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, Kai, like I said, he's good at fishing. I don't know if he likes it, but he just likes <laughs> rolling along. So, for goodness, for thirteen years, fourteen years, Kai has been part of the part of the crew. Um, and then um, one of our buddies, Dan, uh, jumped on. And he had basically Irish twins and in between kids jumped on. And I don't know how he pulled that stunt off. Um, for most of us to be successful on uh, the spousal negotiations, you have to be doing these trips before you get married. Not after, but hey, he 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 pulled it off. It's like part so, of the vows when they signed on, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> that's good. Well, but so that that's where the group came from, and and it's evolved into just wonderful thing. Um, last year when we were filming um, the Holy Well, uh, it's just kind of this cool menagerie of, of friends. Um, a guy who was my best friend in college, um, he and I both went to the small same small like liberal arts school. Um, uh, my brother now is helping us because he my brother's one of the most talented photographers I know. Yeah. Um, but I've converted him into you know videography, and then and then the guy who got us into cinematography itself. Um, you know, he's now fishing with us as well. And so it's just a menagerie of folks. It's, it's a nightmare because now like when we book flights, I think this year we had to book out of six different airports, seven. Mm. And it's just like, I was like, oh my gosh, we're not going to make it. Like there's no way someone's going to get delayed and this is going to be a nightmare. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's organically kind of grown and kind of become a thing and, I'm again super thankful for it. If you if you shook me out of bed in ninth grade and said, "Hey, one day, dude, you're gonna get to go fly fish the world on a on a you know a cheap budget," I'd be like, "Dude, I've looked at the Lodge magazines as a kid. Like, I I yeah. know that's never gonna be my reality." So I'm just just stupid, stupid thankful. That's really cool. So you talked about uh, <clears throat> that transition you just mentioned a minute ago into kind of cinematography. Where did uh, that? love kind of start to develop i guess um you know you'd been fly fishing for a long time when did you decide to start taking a camera along first trip first trip i started uh i took a um one of those point and shoot cameras Mm -hmm. because it was like oh my gosh we're going to belize and it's it's a and you know like everyone around's like it's a once in a lifetime trip and so i was like once in a lifetime okay so i only get to do this once so i better come back with a thousand pictures um and then i got to do it again you know, that time we went to Trinidad and Tobago for 600 bucks total. Um, we, we, we pulled some sketchy stuff. That, that one happened. <laughs> um, yeah, that one was, uh, yeah, that was gnarly. Um, we, we hopped the fence one time to get to a fishing spot and it was a weed plantation. And we were like, ah, I think we should jump back over the fence. <laughs> um, so that's just kind of the, the way we were rolling. But, um, with every year I took more pictures, I would, uh, trade up on eBay for the next, you know, next used camera that I could spend a couple hundred dollars on. Um, and then when we went on our 10th trip, there's something sentimental about 10, right? Uh, when we went on our 10th trip, I was like, Hey, there's this thing called the fly fishing film tour. We should cut a film about that. And at the time I was living in, in Knoxville, Tennessee. And, um, I just, a friend of a friend was, elite cinematographer worked for discovery and all these other like legit things. And I was like, Hey, uh, we'll split your flight, you know, four ways or five ways. Uh, if you'll come help us out. 
And, you know, when he went to his boss, he's like, hey, I just got paid to go to a Belizean shoot. I got to go. And then we were like, we have a, you know, elite cinematographer that we're going to scrap together a couple hundred dollars to a piece to make happen. And so it was basically like we all got to lie together to make the <laughs> thing happen. Um, but, it, you know, Ben Fields, and, and that's the, the dude's name, is just one of the most generous cats with his time. Uh, we came home from that film. And I would, I would, uh, my wife's a teacher. And so after she would go to bed, you know, at normal hours, nine or 10, I'd go over to Ben's house until about 2 a.m. and learn how to edit and Mm -hmm. organize. And, and Ben has a system that is so far been foolproof on how we organize footage and put it together. And he kind of taught us that. And, um, you know, as, as the best way to round out that story that I think y'all know where this is going, we didn't get into the F3T. That film sucked. <laughs> but we learned a lot. Yeah. We really did. We we learned a lot from that experience. I still use a lot of that footage to this day because it's just really beautifully shot by Ben. Um, but we, we, we grew and we learned from that. Um, and from there, we started developing storylines that we felt like were compelling. We learned a process that matched our way of fishing. Um, and that's just kind of what kind of turned over the, the, the videography side. And, and we've been really, really lucky. You've got, really lucky to have some things come our way. You said something that I want to follow up on. And I think for connoisseurs, I guess that's a word of, fly fishing films the market has become in my opinion pretty saturated there there's a lot Mm -hmm. of people now who are doing films so i relate to your films as i do some other filmmakers that i enjoy watching because of story and because your films usually have a, a good story involved in them and something you're trying to tell what does that look like why is that important and also how do you when you go on these trips, do you have an idea, okay, this is the story we're going to tell, or do you let the trip tell, make the story, and you come back and kind of tell it? Is that, does that question make sense? No, the, the, the question makes perfect sense. I've been always fearing that you'd ask it. Because, um, <laughs> first off, it looks like my background is fake. Y'all know that this is still my backyard, right? Like, oh, yeah, yeah like, totally. Like, I figured it's just background. Getting, yeah. Like, what's going on right now? Sorry. Um, yeah, the focus on story. I think, and this is what every good storyteller does, we can invent reasons why story matters. Uh, you can take the Donald, Donald Miller approach, right? All human beings know is story. You can take the Tyler Cowan approach that we need to be cautious about stories, right? Because a story, you know, your life is this big mess of data points. And we all want to say, oh, no, it's a journey. Look at these three points. that tells, and I don't know where I land on that. I think... For me, if I'm just riffing here, growing up, I I adored my maternal grandmother, my Nana. Um, And I was just weird enough as a kid that I would go and listen to old ladies gossip all day. Now, this was Jackson, Mississippi. And I I just don't, I think, I don't know because I can't time travel, but I don't think bad stories flew, right? Mm -hmm. You couldn't be like, you know, they wouldn't be like, hey, Martha has a haggard dress on. Like, that's not a story. It had to be a windup of like, why Martha was expected to always be dressing to the nines. And then when she shows up in something haggard, it's hilarious. Like, you know what I'm saying? That ebb and flow of stories. And, and maybe I'll learn it from there. Or, you know, my, my paternal grandfather was a recession. I mean, a depression kid. Um, and he had all, and he's the one who got me into fishing and he had all these wonderful stories from 
his brother who got bit by a cotton mouth and they cut off the wound because that's what you did back in the day to suck out the venom to, and they were catfishing, right? Like noodling for food at that point to, you know, talking about how he got two oranges for Christmas or my favorite one, how he ended up playing college football was there was this dude in a hat who walked down the street one day and says, Hey, do you know how to play tackle football? And he's like, what's football? Cause this is the, 30s mm-hmm. was football and he said look at this this brown object if i gra- give it to you can you take that person to the ground and he was a farmer he's like oh yeah i got that <laughs> right and so i think if you think about all those like people you know i was raised around stories and i don't think that's unique as a southerner i think most southerners mm-hmm. we give each other the breath and the space to tell stories um and so i think w- at dorsal what i've tried to do um is maybe emulate that. I may be reaching to be quite honest. Um, but I think I just, I've always had an ear to stories. I've always loved stories. I wanted to be told stories. Um, and so when I think about what puts, you know, gas in my tank and from a creative process, I don't want to do a photo dump. I don't want to do a footage dump. I don't, you know, to, to quote kind of an industry standard, I don't want to create a fish porn film. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the temptation with the holy well that's running through the f3t right now we got tarpon eating poppers in 300 frames per second how do you not just throw that up and say enjoy yourselves um it's just important and i don't know why but it just is is that it's just like without a story i don't know what we're doing i think that you you brought up one of the films so i guess i'll just go there you also have a way of that film Epic. We've already seen it. Going to be seeing it again, which we're going to talk about kind of at the end of this episode. Yeah. But you you also have some some great comedy in some of some of your films that uh, that that I've enjoyed checking out as well. Um, <laughs> you guys did the the Blue Line Takeover with those guys, and yeah. uh, and that was a good time. And you can I think you can see those films on their channel, correct? Uh, yeah. And and those were all really good. And those guys are pretty good for entertainment anyway. And uh, you kind of just made them look better, right? Uh, <laughs> but uh for sure man so i think it's a it's a cool mix of of your channel if people go and check it out there, there's some um you know the first film i actually saw from you and I actually reached out to you on, on instagram i believe was the i don't remember the exact title the film on mac correct yeah that, that, just that was like the, mac just like mac that was the film that actually drew me to dorsal before we've kind of started this relationship with some of the other stuff we're doing um and so that was that was a really telling film and a lot of passion behind it do you have a film or is, I'm afraid that your answer to this is just going to be the next one, but do you have a film that sort of means maybe some more to you or that kind of stood out? Maybe the ones you got in the show this year? Um, no, they all mean something. And that, that's, I know that's cheap. Um, no, it's not. So, so just like Mac is, it's all about Tommy. You know, he tells the story in a masterful way. Um, what you don't understand behind the scenes is like we filmed it once and and the audio didn't come through and he was still able to retell it with the same vigor and passion and emotion that made it so relatable. Um, so I love that film because like, you know, when I got, when I published that director's cut on YouTube, it hit, uh, that's not the F3T cut. The F3T cut was just more of kind of like, Oh yeah, that's the baton. Here we go. Um, because the F3T, you really don't, it's not a moment to cry. That's just not, not not the vibe of the F3T, but I thought it was important to tell the full story. And, and I remember like, if I'm being real, like when I, when I re-edited the director's cut and got back to kind of 
Tommy's core story. There was a time when I edited it and I like kind of like missed it up my eyes and had to push back the laptop a little bit because it's like there's this dude that misses his uncle deeply. And and I mean, I love the line in the film where he said that, that it's unfair that just as he was ready to step up and, and fly fish with his uncles when he lost them. And I think that's just it's relatable. Um, you know, not that I'm out there for validation from the comments, but like we got a comment from a, an angler who has MS and he can't go fishing anymore. Um, and he saw himself in the story and like there's no higher compliment to a storyteller. Right. Is that. This, this story is not just important to the storyteller themselves or the editor or the the, the cinematographer, but it's 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 impactful to the audience. Um, so that one maybe set the tone. I guess I can't say favorites, but that one set the tone of things I want to do. But then like we turned right around the next year and did Dan's Pain, which is just a slapstick comedy about a guy who can't catch a fish. And like <laughs> I love that. I adore that one, too, because it was just so much fun. Like it, the story on that one is I, I cut a 50 minute, I'm sorry, 50 second advertisement, like a troll advertisement to Dan and like threw him under the bus in front of all of our friends. Like I was like, I came back to Columbia from Columbia and I spit that out. And, uh, and he was like, dude, that is actually really funny. Like, do you think it could be a film? I was like, wait, hold on. Are you inviting me to throw you <laughs> under the bus for a full film? And the thing was, is like, I actually got on the phone with someone today. They were like, dude, that film was the most refreshing film ever because it was, you know, a story about a dude who can't catch fish. And like, I saw myself on that. And it's like, oh, well, that's awesome. You know, so yeah, it, it's super difficult to to play play favorites with them. Um, and so I won't, but yeah. it, but each one is his, his <clears throat> well, I'm sure something you, in different ways. I'm sure you put so much work into each one. I mean, it's almost like, you know, it's like having a baby, like over and over and over again. Every time you, you just send one out into the world, um, except if you hate the baby after it's done. Like there's this little, <laughs> there's a, there's this little two week period when you finally hit the deadline and you're like, oh, I hate this thing so much. Why won't it go the way I want it? And then three weeks later, you're like, okay, no, we did, we did good work. We did okay. Yeah, I'm sure. You, I'm sure you are your own worst critic when it comes to that. No, man, I, I hate my stuff. <laughs> I can't watch it. The worst part is like when it all comes together and it's all polished, it's been colored, it's been mastered, and you need to press play. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to see it again. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't. <laughs> I'm sure. So what's uh, what's on the horizon for Dorsal? Um, you got anything coming up that uh, we can tell anybody about? Or, uh, I mean, you may be keeping it a secret. I don't know. No, 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 no. Secrets don't make friends in, in fly fishing. <laughs> um, no. So we just released a, uh, uh, people call them films on YouTube. I don't know what to call them. Uh, we released a story. How about that? Um, it's one of the longest ones we've done and it's, and it's sadly enough about me. Um, just from our fishing trip last, last year, um, I, <laughs> I, I failed a grand slam on a bonefish, which I'd never caught a permit before in my life, but I caught a permit on foot. I caught a tarpon in like this backwater lagoon and I spent the rest of the day flogging bonefish. Um, and it's a fun little story, I think. Um, and, and, and there's a cool little polish up to the end of it to make people go click the link here. Uh, but there's a quick little, there's a cool little polish up to that story. Uh, that, that was a lot of fun. So we're releasing that. We are going to, um, start to kind of redo some films that we had originally thrown up on YouTube and, you know, ha didn't get any traction. And so I'm, you know, reimagining those, um, 
kind of in a weird turn of fate, my brother really loves coloring films. So this is when you take um, footage from an edit and make it sparkle. I mean, there, there, there are, you know, there are shots in, in the films you've seen that are not cool out of the camera, uh, but when they're properly colored, they, they look just unreal. Um, and so this month in May, we're going to release a bonefish film. Um, it's basically, it's a true story about how all of us took our tax refunds and found the cheapest flight we could a couple years ago. Um, we don't cover it in, in the film. I wish we did, but, <laughs> uh, there was a time we were, we were flying a, a commercial airline and we thought the plane was going down. Oh, like gosh. we lost out thousands of feet of altitude in seconds. Uh, so bad that like I had AirPods in this pocket and they flew out and like went four seats down. Oh, wow. Uh, they checked for, they checked for injuries. Uh, it was pretty gnarly. We were really shook it up by it. Um, but in the end we, we do DIY kayak bone fishing and it's just a fun story of kind of silliness and resilience and, and, and getting the job done. And, and there's just some really pretty footage there. Um, uh, again, I'm the butt of the joke of that one. Uh, I break off like a five pound bonefish. um, while it's tailing, it's all on film and I just make a fool of myself. Um, so, uh, we'll be releasing that one and then we'll be releasing some redfish films, uh, uh, all through the year. Um, in addition to starting to shoot new stuff, um, we've got, man, we've got some collaborations I'm really excited about. Um, there's just, um, I mean, there's so much to tell, I think, what we've learned from like the red eye bass community, we've just learned, um, so much. Um, and so like, you know, telling those stories, I think is something that I want to lean more into. Mm -hmm. Um, we are, again, I, I didn't, I, I obviously wasn't prepared on this one, but I was just like, we've got so many things that we're like, we're going to do, um, another trip with, with our team that we are going to try to do a, um, like an expanded series kind of talking about kind of like that dorsal story I told you, yeah. but fully unfleshing that and doing it kind of in an episodic manner on YouTube. So we'll be doing that over the summer. Um, and then one thing that's really cool that's coming down the pipe is we are collaborating with um, Larry Melton Jr., who is a really popular uh, bass YouTuber um, who's interested in learning more about fly fishing. And so we just uh, shot an episode uh, fishing some some really cool biodiverse areas in the state with him, um, and he's just such a fun character, just just so relatable and fun to be around. And so there's just a lot of cool stuff on the horizon. And and the thing that I'm excited about is that we'll keep on doing, you know, cinematic films, but we will also be putting a lot of the stuff out there immediately on YouTube. Um, we've got uh, I know uh, you guys uh, love trout routes. We've we've got introduced to those guys, and we've really gotten to know them. And so we're going to do a, a collaborative film on Brook Trout with them as well. Oh, cool. So we've got, we've got stuff coming down the pipe. I've just got to figure out how much coffee I can drink in one day and not <laughs> yeah. pop an aorta. <laughs> well, Ben, we're going to take a quick break, man. And uh, when we come back from the break, we're going to talk a little bit about your life as a father and, uh, and doing all you do at Dorsal Outdoors. So uh, we'll be right back. Dads on the Fly is brought to you by Maggie Valley Fly Shop. Maggie Valley Fly Shop is your go-to stop in Western North Carolina for all your fly fishing needs. Whether you're looking to book a guided trip or you're wanting to go catch some gear that you may need before you hit the stream, hop into Maggie Valley Fly Shop, grab a cup of coffee, get all the gear you need, and go enjoy a great day on the water in Western North Carolina. You can also check them out online at maggievalleyflyshop.com. 
Well, we are back with Mr. Ben Meadows from Dorsal Outdoors. Ben's been telling us all about Dorsal Outdoors, the amazing stories that they tell. But Ben is also in the midst of doing all this traveling and fly fishing and filmmaking. A dad to two very young kids. Uh, matter of fact, he just got done putting them to bed before he hopped on this call with us. We appreciate that. Um, ben, tell us a little bit about. Um, t- tell us first a little bit about your kids. <laughs> Yeah. So my oldest is Barrett. He's three years old. Uh, my dad gave us the best word to describe him. He is exuberant. <laughs> uh, like probably it. the most happy kid you've ever seen when things are good. One of the most tormented kids when things are bad. Uh, like today when my 90 pound yellow loud accidentally knocked him over, uh, might as well have been the end of the world. Oh yeah. Um, so, but he is just a bundle of fun. I am terrified about what it looks like when he has middle school legs and arms because I just don't know if I have enough energy in the world to keep on chasing him down. But uh, he is just a blast of energy. He is just fun to be around. And then our our youngest is Mac. Um, He is uh, nine weeks old. Um, so I can't tell you a lot about him besides that he likes to spit up and not sleep. Um, <laughs> but he does seem to have a different demeanor than his brother, which we're excited about. We, 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 I don't know if we could handle two Barrett's. I think there can only be one Barrett in the world. <laughs> That's awesome. So as a young dad and you're obviously, you just said something about coffee, I think before, before the break <laughs> there, um, that's probably something doing all this, making films and also staying present as a father, how, how do you balance that? I don't know. Uh, I'm trying, man. Uh, fatherhood has been one of the hardest experiences for me just because uh, it didn't come naturally. I know a lot of dudes who don't like being around kids, but they like being around their their own progeny, and I definitely fit that mold. Um, you know, my wife and I have been married for a long time. We're high school sweethearts and um, really delayed having kids for a while. And it was, I mean, because of me and then grad school and a couple other things. Um, but, um, you know, I don't know. I really hesitate to share any gleanings or learning because I just I, I fatherhood has been just a humiliating experience. Mm-hmm. And I do mean that in a way of generating uh, humble, humbleness. That's what I mean when I'm saying it's humiliating. It just every day I fail 14 times uh, managing. I'm a pretty happy go lucky guy, but I've realized that I do have a temper. Um, sleeplessness plus the irritability you get from drinking lots of coffee plus a toddler. Yeah. Your sin nature pops out pretty quickly. Um, so, you know, I don't know. (laughs) The balance thing has been awful. I mean, uh, just because I'm learning, it's funny when they were both Barrett and Mac, when they were born, the first five weeks were actually really productive editing. Because I basically looked at my wife and said, look, I don't like w- waking up over and over and over again. I'll just stay up till two there you go. and do the last two feedings with him and do some one-arm editing. I mean, actually, you know, our first film, just like Mac, that's how I was edited. I would sit in the, the rocker with the kid and rock him to sleep because Barrett had colic. So mm. Barrett was born COVID, colic, no help, <laughs> no family. Like it just, yeah, it was yeah. gnarly, man. Um, and I would edit, uh, while I kind of rocked him to sleep and, and, um, so anyways, um, yeah, the, the, there hasn't been a ton of balance and it's not because I would say I'm, I'm imbalanced. It's just that no, I... sometimes you sprint and sometimes you don't. 
Um, well, and so I thought that was a good example, personally. Yeah, I was going to say I think you got it. I think you got it going pretty good there. I think sometimes you know balance is a myth when it comes to a lot of those things as well. Um, I kind of had to learn that a while back that when it came to balancing time with family and work and things that I'm passionate about, you know, I I, I kind of threw away that myth of balance and said just decided I was going to try to pursue everything with passion. Got that from a book, so that meant you know when I was with my family, they were getting it all. They were getting everything I've got. Yeah. I was going to be passionate with them. And then when it was time to go to work or when it was time to pursue fly fishing or whatever it was I was pursuing at the time, I was just going to do it passionately. And, uh, yeah. and I think that's what you got to kind of figure out. You know, that, that whole balance thing is is a bit of a myth, I think. Also, I think it's cool that you, I mean, I, I did some things with a baby in my arm when my kids were little. Oh, so gosh, I, can, yeah, man. I wasn't editing I films, but I was, uh, you know, spent a lot of time. <laughs> uh, I would watch game film. I coach. I would watch game film on my yeah. iPad and. Uh, do that kind of stuff and create practice practice plans and other things with a baby on your arm. And then they get to where you kind of put them on your back or belly or on one of those little thing how holders. And yeah, yeah. You, you can do a lot of good. good we, I cut a lot of grass with uh, my daughter on my back. She used to love that. And uh, and that's intentional time. That's what we talk about on the show all the time. What Caleb just said is important. The time that you get, you make it really purposeful and really intentional. And uh, that that's what I think you can tell you've done and that's a that's a huge thing i mean some some dads you know um it's it's new right like for the first one and being able to do that for your wife give her a break let her sleep a little bit and then you take some time that that is that's a a great example i mean i think it's a cool thing that that film i think it film even means i already like that film film anyway now it means more now it means more to me so (laughs) i I appreciate it more um so I guess your kids are younger, and maybe Barrett, have you, have you got him out a little bit at three, maybe with a, a little fly rod act, or no, at least a little fishing action? No, we're still not there. We're still just all gas and no brakes. Yeah, so, <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Uh, th- there, there would be a broken rod <laughs> yeah, and angry, an say. angry dad. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's something that's on the horizon. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with him, because he is just so um, – wild at heart as the as the book goes oh yeah i want him to have swim lessons <laughs> yeah i don't blame for fishing learn he's that gonna the hard be that way cat. he he's gonna he's gonna catch a fish and then be like can i release it from the deep end and then be like <laughs> and I, I as a dad like who does adventures like man I, it's a weird story but like one time i watched him go into this like inflatable like zoo it was huge and i just watched him go with just reckless abandon and I think any parent would be like, whoa, chill out, you know, like, and that's a good thing to do. But I was just like, he's going on an adventure and like, I know he's safe. Yeah. So let's let him have it. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I mean, again, I was, this is my first kid. So you're a little more protective and, but I was just like, okay, no, we're going to, and I just saw that there's a, you know, that, that God has written a little bit of adventure on his heart mm-hmm. and I want to be really careful to not put that out. Yeah. You don't want to um, stifle it. So that'll involve when it comes to fishing, like probably swimming and fishing at the same time. So it's we gotta idea. have swim lessons. That's a good call. We uh, we learned that lesson with my youngest. I mean, he's bad for that. <laughs> we uh, we took his first ever adventure going on the raft. I was running a shuttle. My wife was hanging out with the kids, and they were obviously, you know, it's summer. They're trying to wade as deep as they can. Of course, and she's yelling and yelling and yelling. And sure enough, he gets caught in a current and you know, travels uh, 50, 50 yards downstream. I mean, he has life jacket all, but she had to like chase him down. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. A, it's one of those things. If you got a kid like that, that's uh Barrett sounds a lot like James. We all, youngest, we all so. have one. I have yeah, one as well. Yeah. Um, it's pretty funny. You mentioned something right there 
uh, that God has put that on his heart. And I've, we also heard you talk about casting in a church parking lot and even kind of maybe getting your first fly rod uh, th- through church kind of in a way there. Yeah. So um, can you speak to just kind of what you said about God doing that for you and you feel like on his heart and has that kind of been a thing with these buddies of yours and can you just speak to a little about about your faith aspect in that? Um. Yeah, my, my faith story is a little weird. Um, I grew up in the most blessed environment with the most perfect family. Um, and I was, you know, raised, uh, you know, with all the biblical truths, theological perfection and all that kind of stuff. And, and it all imploded. And I mean, I'm telling you just imploded when I was 19. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so faith for me, that was a sneeze. Y'all thought a cry was coming. Um, <laughs> faith for me um, has been this journey from um, uh, Christ being the only thing I have to the only thing I want or need. And I think I probably won't get there until I'm 95 or if I get hit by a bus or whatever. Um, I don't think I'll I'll make that transition from here to eternity but basically when you have for me when 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 you lose close to everything and you still when you still realize that that god has you that you're that you are covered and you are taken care of uh when the bank account says four dollars and you don't really know what you're doing because you're 19 years old um I don't know. Uh, I, I think that just for me, faith has had a deeper resonance. And so rather than, you know, abusing my kid with the catechisms, um, and I promise I'm not going to loopy doopy faith stuff here. Um, I'm just more concerned that Barrett knows that uh, his mom and his dad love him deeply. Um, that, that love is only a conduit of, of what, love is from heaven above and um and we're just a small little reservoir of that and so um i think for me when it comes to kind of faith and fatherhood it's just one trying to make sure that trauma is not transmitted to the next generation um and then two uh that uh my child finds my faith appealing Right. Does that make sense? Like, instead oh, yeah. of being like, you no, I agree. Be a Christian because daddy's a Christian, mm-hmm. it's going to be like, I want you to know that I can't foresee life without Christ. And nope. I hope the same for you, buddy, because yeah. I don't know how any, you know, I don't know, I don't know how uh, agnostics and, and atheists get on. I'm just too weak of a dude. Yeah. Um, I like to say with some buddies that Christianity, sadly enough, is a religion for the weak. You just have to be honest about where you are. How weak. weak you are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where yeah. most people are like, no, no, it's for the strong, and it's like, <clears throat> no, and I really start to worry about your faith. Mm-hmm. I really do. <laughs> no, I agree with you. I think you you hit a really good point there too, uh, talking about how you want to be transparent and real with your kid and let them see a faith that's worth having. I think a lot of times we see that. I know in ministry, I see that a lot. Most kids are just borrowing their parents' faith. Um, it, mm. it takes a lot more before it actually becomes their own. I mean, I experienced mm. that in my own journey, in my own story. You know, there's a lot of uh, what I believed and what I thought and what I what I had ideas about things just borrowed from our parents. Um, and it, it actually takes when, you know, and a lot of times, 
unfortunately we have to go through suffering before we actually uh, really get to understand that and when our faith really becomes our own but um yeah i think you're i think you're right on there and thinking that i want to and i want to do that with my own kids i want to i want them to see of my faith and my my relationship with jesus as something that is real and not just something that we do that's just a part of our culture like it's actually it's actually real and it's actually something that that makes an impact in my life yeah, and, and my father emblemized this very well. I think that's why my faith has been always so yeah. natural to me is that, you know, dad always woke up at 5 a.m. for a quiet time, yeah. and he did not lord that over us with legalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, dad, um, you know, was very adamant about his Sabbath, but not in a legalism framework. He did not believe he was being sanctified by his Sabbath. He yeah. literally, I remember, he's like, I love y'all to death, and I'm so glad y'all are doing soccer, but I literally cannot live what, live my week without a day with my father. Mm. And I remember like as a high school, you're like, Oh, that's so (laughs) icky. Uh, but now I get it, dude. I I get it. It's like, if I don't, I mean, I'm pretty sadly of dang legalistic about my Saturday, my Sundays now too, because it's like, if you, you know, if the God of the universe had to take a day off, then I think we little, (laughs) <laughs> yeah peons down here on earth <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> we might need a yeah. day off too so it, you know his faith was a was a cornerstone and kind of building mine mm-hmm. um it just it yeah i just I, I do see a lot of fruits in that it's like i don't think there was a time i think during middle school when things were being cracked down um but it never was like you will be a christian because i say so yeah yeah um and and i think i want to do my best to transmit that to my boys i agree so man we appreciate you being vulnerable there and talking about those things i think it's it's really what we make this show about but to close this out we want to talk about a a really cool event that we got coming up um absolutely you're you're making your way to north carolina here in about uh well from when we're recording this about two weeks almost and uh and you're coming into town and we're going to be kind of all together at brevard at the oscar blues for the f3t event so you're going to be there talking about your films. We're going to get to watch your films, all the other films in the show. Kayla and I are going to get to do some emceeing and kind of talk to everybody that night and actually introduce you as well as the other films and some of the stuff going on in the raffle for Pisca Trout Unlimited. And we, we're really trying to make this a cool event for everybody. Um, you've seen some of these in other places. What are you excited about for maybe people who haven't seen, other than the awesome dorsal films that are in the F3T? We've already talked about this. <laughs> but uh, what would you tell everybody that's going to be cool about, about this event? Yeah. Um, so the cool thing about the this this event is it's part of what we call the Southern Loop at the F3T. Um, that has not been a thing. If someone's like, oh, I've missed out on it. No, no, no. It, it literally came out this year. Um, where we're trying to regionally focus more on a Southeastern presence for the fly fishing film tour. Um, and it's something that the F3T gave us a lot of leeway to do, um, which I love from a kind of a leadership model is like, Hey, go do it. Um, and, and I hope that we've kind of stepped up and, and done it. But, um, for, for folks who have not seen the film reels, uh, there's a film about catching all four species of permit in the world. Um, very familiar faces if you're in the fly fishing industry. So you should get excited about that. It's done by, a, a just an elite filmmaker that I, salivate over his editing skills um uh, patrick gray of of um live it films it's just gorgeous i mean you could plug your ears and watch it it's just that good um uh there is a film about a woman who loses her husband to That's cancer one, and okay. runs off to patagonia and it's just a good film it's just it's kind of a swashbuckling fun really hang good. 
it's an audience favorite. Oh, I, yeah. I don't have thin skin. I think a lot of people are going to love that film most, and that's okay. It's a great film. It's a great character. Like there's, yep. that's what it's about. It's great characters yep. telling great stories. Uh, then you got your boys, Adam and Steve, trying to catch a redfish. We may have been involved with that one. That's a lot of fun. Um, and the list goes on and on and on. I, I think another little like tidbit that's fun about the Southern Loop is there's a bonus film uh, that's going to be included. Um, it's called Oars. Uh, it's about the Oars Foundation, uh, which hooks up first responders and veterans uh, with days on the water. Um, and it was actually shot kind of near the Alabama Georgia line. And, um, it's just a really well done film. Um, there's a, there's a character named Rowell in there that I think people will watch the film and really feel not only like a deep resonance to his story, but also like a deep resonance to the people who, you know, devote their lives to serving our country. Um, and that's just, it's cool. It's it's a cool film. I'm it's excited. Cool Something to new to look forward to, because uh, we we yeah. saw you know we were able to see most all the films except for that one. So I'm excited to have a new one. Um, but this event is, is special in the way that uh, it's at Oscar Blues. It's uh, free to anybody who wants to come that night. You you're going to be there uh, to meet people, hang out, and talk. Uh, we've got a couple fly shops that are going to be there. You know, we've not really talked much about this on our show yet, Caleb, about all we got going on. we got some fly shops there, and I'm going to be doing some casting. Uh, people are going to start showing up uh, around 536, and we're going to have everything just ready to roll. And it's going to be kind of a, a cool family atmosphere to bring everybody to. going to be some off, awesome raffle items that uh, are a chance to win I'm excited about. And uh, so I think it's going to be a great night. We're excited that you're making the trip, man. Yeah, I'm, man. I'm pumped for that for sure. Well, I'll tell you this. I know it's going to be a great event. Um, the the way that you guys have jumped on board, folks in the the local Brevard community have jumped on board. It's going to be a slam dunk event. Yeah. It just it just will. Um, and that's the thing that I think we get most excited about with the Southern Loop is that, um, as a filmmaker. I would love for people just to be in love with the films and that only, but I realize in reality, people need to need an outlet to hang out with their buddies. You can only take three people in a raft. So this is your opportunity to get out with your 10, <laughs> 20, right 20 closest friends. Yeah. Um, Bring all your buddies. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's going to be fun. And I just love the way that y'all jumped on board with the design that, um, and to give them a lot of credit, Steven Scoggins kind of kicked this off mm. here in Birmingham. And it was like, Hey, instead of making it about the films, what if we make it about the community? Yeah. Open the doors three hours early, get, like you said, fly tires, fly casters, fly rod builders, fly shops, get them all there, get the community hanging out. Yeah. And, uh, man, it's been so cool to see that develop in Birmingham. We, at Dorsal, we were just so excited to just kind of help push that along but again um you know that that we can't take credit for that because there was folks who came ahead of us and kind of showed that this model was not only viable but it's really freaking cool and it's, it's a cool way to do it so um i'm stoked i'm counting on the days yeah the fly fishing community man we've just continued to learn it's such a great group of people uh some really passionate people really excited and uh anytime we can all get together it always seems like a good time so um we're really excited about this one and think it's going to be Really great to hang out with some local folks uh, right here in Western North Carolina. If you're listening to this, and I'm telling you, if you're within a couple of hours, you should come hang. It's going to be a great hang. It's Friday it's night. A lot you can of make a weekend out of it. Yeah, you make can a come weekend to the out show of it. Friday night. Come to the show. We'll give you tips Saturday. on where to fish the next day. I mean, I can't think of a better way to spend your weekend. So, um, yeah, we're really pumped about the F3T there at Oscar Blues in Brevard. Ben, we really want to thank you, man, for this conversation tonight. Just want to let everybody know it's a uh, dorsal outdoors on Instagram. You guys are dorsal outdoors on YouTube. 
You can find all your films that you've released there and will be following along this summer. Uh, thank you so much for what you do. It's a, it's a joy to watch your films as a connoisseur of films, and I, I do love to watch. <laughs> Late at night, I turn on my phone and watch films on YouTube. Time flies and, and watch films. And I've got a lot of favorites, and uh, in the last you know six months, you guys, guys have gotten right up there in the top of my list. I look for when you drop stuff. So appreciate what you do. Uh, thank you for taking this time for Dads on the Fly, and uh, we look forward to meeting you here in a couple weeks. Man, sounds good. See y'all on May 19th. Yeah, man, we're fired up. Thanks, Ben, and uh, thanks, everyone, for checking out this episode of the Dads on the Fly podcast. And until next time, tight lines. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Dads on the Fly podcast. We hope this episode has inspired you as a parent or an angler. If you've enjoyed this episode, please check us out at dadsonthefly.com. There you can subscribe to our email list and find out all the things we got going on here at Dads on the Fly.